Right, before we get started, I want to point out that there's a moment in this episode where I suggest, well, I claim that Randy and Mike of the Dice Are Screaming have only just discovered drive through RPG. This is due to me not paying attention while listening to their episode 201, The Gamer Side Hustle. And that is demonstrably not true because I went back and re-listened to that episode. A great episode, by the way. And I'd also like to add that if you're listening to my show, you should probably also be listening to the Dice Are Screaming because actually you probably do better just listening to their show and perhaps skipping this. So, um, yeah, apologies, guys. And sorry for any confusion to you, the listener. Thank you. Hello, welcome to Keep Off the Borderlands. My name's Spencer, aka Free Thrall, and I'm aware my episodes are getting a little less frequent of late. I managed to steal away a few moments to get some thoughts down. I've always liked um, responding to messages as soon as possible. Don't like to leave people hanging. So, before I get into anything else, Hey, Spencer, Jason here. Enjoyed your last episode. No, I, I guess the one thing, two things I want to talk about. The story game thing, yeah, I, I guess my problem isn't necessarily the term, although I think to some degree everything's a story game. Although, like you say, some, I don't know, task-oriented versus conflict-oriented, okay. But it, at some point I think we're overanalyzing all this. this these are games. <laughs> that we're doing to have fun, to enjoy, enjoyably spend our time with other people we enjoy spending time with. And um, some games are more narratively based and some are more task-oriented based, sure. But I, I guess my problem with just saying story game versus or traditional game, whatever, I mean, a lot of traditional games are played like story games. So I, I, I just think, I don't know that there's that big of a distinction. I know there's mechanical distinction of some things like Power by the Apocalypse, I'm playing in a game of Masks. And Masks is much more designed about that interpersonal conflict between the players and how they react in their, you know, feelings and reacting to the world and those kind of things than it is the punching bad guys, right? There's punching bad guys in there because it's a superhero game, but it's much more about the interpersonal conflict. So, you know, definitely that falls on the story spectrum, right? Like most Power by the Apocalypse games do. But, so I don't, Disagree, some games are more narrative-based or whatever. But the problem is story games, like you say, it's a loaded term. Some people wear it as a badge on, or some people use it as derision. And I think it's easier just to call the game by its name and not feed into that so people don't have those visceral reactions. 
you know, much like OSR, OSR has got a negative term, is a negative term to a lot of people. So, you know, why bother using it and, and set yourself up with those preconceived notions? So I guess that's where I come from, the story game angle, or not using it. As far as what I like to be playing my own games, yeah, I guess. What I like to play in Spencer's game, heck yeah, sign me up. Um, let's see. Oh, problem players, or this is what my player would do. I've done that in games. I don't think it breaks games. I think the key is, and excuse my French, don't be a dick. <laughs> you know what I mean? Don't try to intentionally sabotage the party. Don't, you know, steal things. You know, don't steal the magic user's wand of magic missiles when you know he's going to need it if you're a thief, right? Stuff like that. But I don't think there's anything wrong with with that. I think you decide when you guys start that game, hey, what kind of game are we playing? Are we ga- playing a game of teamwork and it's more more problem-solving and it's more task-oriented? Or are we playing a game where we're exploring personalities? And And if you're exploring personalities, explore the personalities. There's nothing wrong with that. But there's a difference between trying to derail the session and sabotage the game and playing as your character, right? I, I don't know if you were there when Dave, when we did the his black hack where we went into the, into the caverns and we're fighting the were shark and my thief ended up running, for, you know, running away from the combat. And I ended up doing a die roll to see what he'd do and he ran away. That was kind of, this is what my player would do. And it kind of, but I wasn't able to hit this thing anyway because it was higher level than me. I was, you know, and, but, you know, we all decided at the end that was okay to do that. But, you know, it was a, a pull, but I didn't do it intentionally to sabotage the party, you know what I mean? So I think there's room to do what the player would do. And, and I, you know, it's kind of like this argument that, like um, Barry or Shadow GM has had with people before, not argument, but the problem he's had before, where players, like, get on other players. You didn't make your character right. You should have optimized this. Hi, Jason. Jason of Nerds RPG Variety Cast there. And yeah, I really appreciate your calls. I mean, I can always rely on you to get me to re-engage and put something out. So yes, really appreciate that. Um, yeah, the whole story game thing. I actually, I was listening to, um, well, there's been a lot of talk about OSR in some podcasts recently, and you're probably going to hear a bit more of that here, but, um, I recently listened to an episode of Full Metal RPG. I think it was episode uh, 113, OSR and Story, two sides of the same coin. And um, I don't know, I I think that the title in itself kind of reinforces the sense of opposition there. I see these things as being on a spectrum. I mean, nobody can pin down what the OSR is is really we can't agree on that but and that's fine i'm happy with that and it seems that that's also true of story games and as a result these things are not opposites they overlap probably more than we imagine and when i was listening to the guys on full metal rpg talking about uh, powered by the apocalypse games they sound like they're right in the middle to me. You know, they're as influenced by this sort of narrative style of play as they are by kind of OSR sensibilities um, rather than them working towards hitting narrative beats. The mechanics are designed 
for emergent story and the I suppose the the that kind of more a narrative aspect comes into play when you're looking at the the playbooks and how the genre is very much defined in the characters that are available for you to play and and that's that's great and with something like dungeon world in particular the those character tropes are all OSR tropes so you, and you've got the the kind of the perfect marriage of the two there so i don't see these things as being necessarily as divisive as they seem to be and this whole idea of OSR gamers and story gamers being opposing factions I, there's nothing new there the terms are relatively new but this goes all the way back to what John Peterson talks about in the elusive shift at the very inception of RPG gaming there were these seemingly two different influences and concerns from people who were coming from a war gaming background and those coming from sort of fantasy fiction literary background and um yeah it's just that same old argument so i mean there's nothing new there and uh, while i enjoyed that discussion on full metal rpg i've got to say there was a lot of stuff said that i didn't agree with a lot of things attributed to osr that kind of i don't know i didn't feel i recognized as being osr particularly and a few things where it seems that the guys there started playing in the 90s have very much started off with things like vampire and the, the whole white wolf games i'm i'm, I'm stumbling a bit here because i don't know anything about that period at all i was totally out of the out of the game but there was a, a suggestion there that White Wolf Games introduced the idea of not playing rules as written, of rulings over rules, which I had to laugh because it's clearly there from day one. The, in the white box, original D&D, if you don't like any of these rules, don't use them. And that, to me, is very much characteristic of OSR, and um, that was being attributed to these White Wolf games. Well, they, they quite possibly reinforced that, where D&D had moved away from that and become more codified. But the idea that they introduced it just just made me chuckle. Yeah, the problem players thing. Yeah, you're right. I mean... The idea of having a thief in a party that's going to be stealing from members of the party, well, they're not going to be in that party for very long, are they? And then you've got the whole issue of mixed alignments within a party, and that's probably not going to work straight off the bat. But um, as far as... I'm, I'm all for having conflicts within a party, but the party has obviously come together to achieve a shared goal, you know? I mean... And the characters don't all have to agree with each other. You can be kind of figuratively at each other's throats, but when push comes to shove, 
you're all working towards the same thing. And when the pressure's on, you need to know that you've got each other's backs. And if you're not into playing a game like that, well, go play Paranoia. If you really want to screw each other over and all be singing from a different hymn sheet, you know, there, there are games that will let you do that. Although, having said that, that session of the Black Hack that Dave was running with the shark in it and your character running off the, the, the thief, choosing to save his own bacon, that made perfect sense narratively. I mean, everything was going south. It made sense in the situation, in the context of what was going on. And uh, yeah, there was no bad feeling around that, apart from, you know, the, your own sense of guilt in running off. And it made sense for your character to feel that too. So, uh, yeah, all seemed perfectly appropriate in the circumstances. So thanks as always, Jason, for a healthy dollop of common sense there. Cheers. Hey, Spencer, this is Joe over at Pickett's Geekus and uh, enjoying your podcast. And I'm listening to episode, I believe it's 168 on immersion. And you're musing about... um, whether or not it's important for you to have the um, specific scene uh, in your mind when you're in get immersed that the DM is describing. And the first word that popped in my head was no, because uh, one, it's really hard for that to even happen. And two, um, even if you make a mistake at the table, uh, if it's not a huge one, who cares if you don't, if you don't shoot your buddy or whatever. But, um, if you study anything about uh, eyewitness reports at, uh, um, court scenes or at crime scenes that, um, hold on. All right. Got cut off. Um, so yeah, crime scene eyewitnesses often have differing, uh, reports on the same, uh, witnessing the same crime or the same accident or the same anything. So, uh, reacting in a different way, uh, can provide some interesting uh, table play, I think. So I, I have to agree. It's not all that important. Um, it can make it more fun. So, um, I'm going to listen to the rest of your episode and keep up, keep up the good work. Talk to you later. Hey, just got to another part that I thought was uh, interesting in your in your um, in your podcast, and that's about town stuff. I mean, that's a, at least that's what we called it back in the day when you went and shopping and and getting your hirelings, which almost always ended up being evil and killing you in, in your sleep. By the way, anyway, um, yeah, town stuff. Uh, we like I like it to be pretty much like you said, hand wavy, or you can say hit the highlights. This is what you get. These are the folks you find, and you go on your merry way, because uh, yeah, that can slow down time. However, uh, if the DM finds a way of making that town scene one, two, or three scenes, however long it is, into uh, perhaps you get jumped in the in the um, alley and you end up having a combat, it could actually turn out to be fun. So there's that. Talk to you later. Hi Joe, thanks for calling in. Um, that's Joe Harding there from Biggest Geekus, a podcast that I've been listening to. And um, I've got to say, 
I find myself agreeing with, with you guys more than I imagine I would. Certainly your recent assessment of the OSR community as a bastion of sanity has to be said that's much closer to my experience than what I've heard over on the Dice A Screaming podcast. But more on that later too. And anyway, since when did agreeing with somebody equate to being able to engage with something? Certainly only be a recent phenomena as far as I'm concerned. But I, I really appreciate the, the fact that you've taken the time to check out my podcast. I've got to say, I I do like that you've moved away slightly from the more, I think you called it woke bashing stuff. But don't get me wrong, I have my own issues with what passes for left-wing politics these days. Splitters! But that's not what I'm here to talk about. As far as I'm concerned, there's enough outrage in the world for me to be able to skip over that kind of stuff. I'm getting on, and life's too short. Trying to grow old gracefully. (laughs) Now, you mentioned that, you know, visualising what's going on while you're playing Theatre of the Mind... And you did reference, and now I don't know if this is a coincidence or whether you're having a, or whether you're having a dig there, but um, not shooting your buddy is exactly what I did to poor Jason a few months back when we were in a party together. His first level thief was taken out by my character because I fired into melee. And while in my mind, Jason's character wasn't in the firing line, the DM did make it clear of what may happen before I rolled the dice. I took my chances and it didn't pay off. Not for Jason anyway. And I felt pretty bad about that. But um, on that subject, there have been situations in the past where maybe the party have gone into the room. I've figured that I would hang back as a character, but not making that clear to the GM and then things kick off in the room and I'm caught up in it and rather than say oh no wait a minute my character was outside all this time you know I'm quite happy to concede that I had the opportunity to point that out and I'll I'll go with it I'm not about to retcon what's going on because I didn't speak up so you know I'm happy to take the hit in those kind of situations oh you were responding I think to Jason's message um, where he, he was talking about giving the fire extinguisher to the to the party and telling them it was a weapon and then them discovering later on that, no, it was a fire extinguisher. I can see people taking issue with that, but um, no, that's too fun a situation to find yourself in, to be kicking up a stink about it. thought what you were saying there about eyewitness accounts was really interesting. I'm quite into neurology, psychology, the nature of consciousness and perception and all that. And yeah, it's very true that eyewitness accounts are notoriously unreliable. People see different things. And that's not just the case of memories being unreliable, but the fact that in a moment-to-moment perception, a huge amount of that is constructed from memory and not us taking in absolutely everything that's going on around us because, you know, that just takes too much brain power to do that. 
and we probably wouldn't last five minutes if we were spending every given moment taking in every single detail of what's going on around us because that's the most economical and um, a practical way of existing making our way through the world but obviously it does lead to people making mistakes so much of what we do we do without thinking and you were talking about getting in a car and it being unlikely that you wouldn't notice somebody else in that car but if you're getting in the car in a manner that you do day in day out it strikes me as all too easy to not notice something that's unexpected by that same token we believe that we see things that we are expecting yeah which also leads to problems and uh yeah town stuff as you call it yeah i i guess I, you know i'm all for having an adventure in town can get up to all kinds of shenanigans but i guess i'm thinking about kind of before you leave the tavern you know that first section of play before you're setting off before you've you know you're still trying to decide you know are we heading out to go and check out the temple or are we going to explore those caves well the the way we have been playing it with old school essentials is that the gm will present us with half a dozen retainers and we can pick on choose and who wants to take who and then there's the the fact of uh, you know stocking up on your kit before you leave and you know and there's a real focus on that kind of resource management of torches and rations and and all that sort of stuff and i guess i guess what i was saying there was that personally i can feel that that stuff drags on a little bit longer than i would like but then at the same time i'm someone who struggles to play online beyond the three hour mark um you know i've got physical issues that means you know sitting at computer for an extended period can become quite uncomfortable and i was sort of equating that extended period before we set out as being a reason that the session goes on past the three hour mark and that's not actually true yeah, because these aren't one shots the tension that the sessions tend to go on until there's kind of a, a, a moment where it makes sense for the game to end. And I guess that um, if the people I'm playing with want to play for that longer time period, then I'm either in or I'm out. And unfortunately, more recently, more often than not, I've, I've not been um, playing in those sessions, which is a real shame. But uh, yeah, really appreciate those messages, Joe. And um, yeah, thanks very much for calling in. So I've been umming and ahhing about whether or not to once again talk about what the OSR means to me. And, you know, is it worth going over that again? Is that really necessary? Like anything I say is necessary. But 
I've been going back and forth and I've decided, nah. <laughs> Only kidding. Um, well, where's this coming from? A couple of weeks ago, there was an episode of The Dice Are Screaming entitled Au Revoir OSR. And where they basically talked about the things that had kind of caused them to move away from that community or the, the negative elements of that community. And I say all the negative elements. We're probably talking about three or four people and I don't know it seemed an odd choice to me to celebrate your 200th episode by trashing a community but to be fair that's not exactly what they were doing so yeah so following on from this Rob C down in the heap did a episode entitled name names actually what's what's the the full title um, uh, name names and show specific examples and um, yeah this was a direct response to that episode the title referring to the fact that although they did mention particular people they were a little cagey about going into specifics and they did do a subsequent episode where they addressed that partly in response to Rob calling in to them I mean I I listened to Rob's episode and that prompted me to call into Rob and kind of uh, I guess yeah why call into Rob and not call into the dice are screaming I guess it was just to show my support for Rob to express that I had very similar feelings and you know wave the down in a heat flag basically oh, oh Rob did the logical thing and contacted the guys at the Dice are Screaming directly. And um, I believe Jason called in too and probably a few other people. That's Jason Connolly of Nerds RPG Variety Cast. The suggestion was that there were a few other people who'd contacted them, but they, um, they didn't play those messages, but they did address the content of those messages and the issues raised um although it's hard to judge whether they actually did do that because we didn't hear the the messages themselves and i completely understand why they didn't play those messages because uh well it would have taken up the entire show i guess we'd have to wait to hear jason and rob's feelings about that yeah so the the follow-up episode from the dice are screaming did go some way to clarifying their position. But I still felt that all the issues that they addressed are things that happened a couple of years ago. You know, these controversies came and went. And I feel that as a community, they, it dealt with them, to my mind anyway. These issues, these controversies, these uh, bad actors are very much 
on the fringes of the community as a whole. And I think the vast majority of people kind of pay them no mind because they're more interested in well, engaging with the community at large and producing great stuff and, you know, supporting each other. I mean, that's what my, my first impression of that community when coming across it was its egalitarian nature, the fact that me dis- discovering the OSR as an outsider, as someone trying to get back into the hobby, this was a very welcoming community where creators, players, and you know people like me interested in what this was all about were very much on equal footing. And there was something that came up in that, that follow-up episode where it was suggested that they found it difficult to believe that anyone could be involved in the OSR community and not be aware of who these bad actors are that they were talking about. And um, what made me chuckle was that then they went on to talk about the fact that they've only just discovered drive-through RPG. Now, I, I, I find that even more difficult to swallow. I'm not suggesting it isn't true, but the idea that somebody could claim to be part of the OSR community for the last couple of years and not have heard of drive-through RPG? The mind boggles. That's all I've got to say about that. Strangely enough, I was already contemplating doing an episode on further thoughts about what the OSR meant to me following some call-ins that Joe Richter of Hindsightless made to Nerds RPG Variety Cast. I can't remember which episode it was, I'm afraid, but it was it was quite a while ago now. And he was talking about OSR not really reflecting Gary Gygax's intentions for D&D. Obviously, I'm paraphrasing here, Joe. Apologies if I'm misrepresenting you, but <laughs> I hope I'm not. Uh, to me, that's not really what the OSR is about anyway. You know, my thinking was always that it was about capturing an era of gaming where things were a bit more DIY, a bit more cobbled together. You know, how kids were playing it when they first came in contact with it. You know, having books from different editions, which is a story I hear over and over again. Cobbling things together, filling in the gaps and making it work. Uh, I mean, uh, obviously that era is kind of mythologized somewhat. Uh, it's certainly filled with nostalgia, but just that kind of freeform nature of play certainly reflected in the way people talk about their first experience of playing D&D back in the day. Uh, all these stories reflect that sort of make-do-and-mend 
mentality, making up what's missing, being inventive and creative and, you know, you just made it work. That's what I think OSR seeks to capture to a certain extent. Um, it's quite clear that subsequent editions of D&D were about codification and, by all accounts, Gary didn't play by the rules that he published anyway. And another aspect of the OSR that I'm not sure I've really spoken about, I was listening to James Spann, of whom I'm a fan, being uh, interviewed on Victory Condition Gaming. And this might seem obvious, but the OSR was a reaction to the kind of bloat that had built up around D&D. And this is where, you know, it all gets a bit hazy for me because <laughs> I'm basically weaving this together from what little knowledge I have. But I think this speaks a little to what Colin Spikebit Green has been trying to do with his sort of OSR hack of... 5e and and how he he really rates the core rules and i think a lot of people's criticisms of 5e as a system are more to do with the expanded material the seemingly infinite options and what people choose to do with them and uh, that criticism tends to be presented as a criticism of the the system itself which you know by all accounts is pretty tight but you know again i'm out of my comfort zone and talking about things which i know nothing about so i might stop there What I will mention is something I've been reading and finding quite interesting. Um, something called the Lavender Hack, which is available on Drive Through for Pay What You Want. It's written by Phil Lewis, and it's about a hundred and eighty plus pages of rules, and, and it's a game that kind of seeks to bring together elements from. Well, let's let's just go through the list of influences that it cites, games that have inspired it, because he clearly has played or at least read a lot of stuff and essentially pinched what he likes from those games and tried to combine it into a system. So here's a list of games that inspired it: White Hack, The Black Hack. Hot Springs Island, Macchiato Monsters, Fate Core, Dungeon Crawl Classics, Beyond the Wall and Other Adventures, uh, something called uh, Seg's House Rules, I think I'm pronouncing that correctly, Naive, Dreams of Adventure, something else I'm not familiar with, The One Ring, Into the Odd, Sharp Swords and Sinister Spells, Iron Sworn, Torchbearer, Dungeon World, Five Torches Deep, Perilous Wilds, Freebooters on the Frontier, Second Edition, Adventure Conqueror King, 
advanced Dungeons and Dragons and old school essentials. And um, yeah, <laughs> you can see that almost half of those games, I think, fall outside what would be considered the OSR. He doesn't call this rule set OSR, but it's clearly designed to be compatible with BX, the Mulvey and Cook basic expert D&D rules. And um, what I found it a really interesting read, and what I particularly like about it, is the extensive design notes that he's put in there um, explaining decisions he's made, what he's taken from where, and why he feels that these things can work alongside each other. And um, while I haven't read through the entire thing, what I have read has been interesting, even if I hadn't fully understood it. But um, yeah, if that sounds of interest, certainly worth checking out. Hi Spencer, it's Barney. I've been doing a little bit of ringing around today after not having done so much lately. And of course I I couldn't I couldn't leave you off the list, could I? Um so I've you know been leaving a kind of uh mosaic of differently textured messages uh with a couple of people and um just for, you know, I thought I would, that in this message, I would give you the kind of secret piece of the jigsaw. And that it's basically that I decided to have a few glasses of wine uh, at about five o'clock and it's Friday. So I'm kind of leaving people tipsy messages. Thank you, Barney. Barney Dicker there of Loco Lugus with... A somewhat enigmatic message, a piece of the mosaic, and what what texture would you call that particular piece? Um, it, it kind of feels like a combination of obligation and inebriation. But uh, cheers, Barney. As always, good to hear from you. I can't wait to see the bigger picture. And speaking of big pictures, what's the big picture here? Is there a point to this episode? Um, I guess when it comes down to it, perhaps we as gamers and the games that we play may not be as dissimilar as the categories we choose to put ourselves in might have us believe. So long? Well, hopefully not so long. Until next time. Well, that's about enough from me, I think. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you so much for your calls. If you want to leave me a message, please contact me via the anchor link in the description. You can always email me or leave me an audio message at spencer.freeforall at gmail.com. There's a Facebook page for Keep Off The Borderlands. 
You can find me on Twitter and MeWe on the Audio Dungeon Discord and various other places on Discord as Free Thrall. I'd also like to thank TJ Drennan for the wonderful music he provides. And it just remains for me to say, take it away, TJ. Warning, if celebrating the sound of dice hitting the table and pondering the meaning of the many acronyms within your player's handbook doesn't cure that burning sensation, please see your doctor.